God for the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. Open your Bibles to the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, and all the children up through age 8. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to go. All the children up through age 8, of course you don't have to go, you're welcome to stay with your family, but if you'd like to go to Children's Church, that's fine. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 4, and once you've found your place... We'll begin reading with verse 23, Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? We're entering the week of July the 4th. Our nation is celebrating its 243rd birthday. That's since 1976 and the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That's not very long, really, and yet... Uh, some of us, I was thinking, uh, I was born 1950, I had the privilege, uh, I've had the privilege of living the last half of the 20th century, and so far 19 years of the 21st century. And uh, remember Y2K? Man, it's, it's as clear as if it was yesterday. It's been 19 and a half years ago, hadn't it? We thought the world was coming to an end, and here we are 19 and a half years later. Aren't you glad God's in control, amen? But uh, we're celebrating our nation's birthday. All across America today, many are praying for our nation. Uh, We mentioned in Sunday school this morning that one ministry is uh, calling a call to fall, uh, calling on Christians to fall on their knees today. And we took some time in Sunday school this morning and and took some time to pray for our nation and uh, some, whether you literally get down on your knees or not, the main thing is that your heart is humble before God. And there's certainly nothing wrong. It's good for us to get down on our knees and pray if we're able to do it physically. And all across America, there are groups of Christians just like you and me who are taking time literally to get down on their knees and humble their hearts and cry out to God for America. He's the answer, amen. He's the only answer for America. So I hope this week you'll take time to pray for your nation, pray for your leaders. You've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading with verse 23. I'll read aloud if you follow along, please. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, thou art God, the God which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. And God, you also, by the, by the mouth of your servant David, has said, Why did the heathen or the nations rage? And the people imagined vain things. Why, even the kings or the rulers of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the Jews, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I mentioned that we as a nation are celebrating our 243rd birthday this week. Now that's a long time, 243 years. When we open our Bibles to the book of Acts, we're going back approximately 2,000 years. You and I are living now in the 21st century. Nineteen and a half years of it have gone by already. It's history. We open up our Bibles, we go back to the first century of Christians. And by the way, isn't it wonderful? You know, we just read here where the hand of God is accomplishing His purposes. And even Jesus Christ is the centerpiece. B.C. and A.D. in the year of our Lord. Amen. We say we go back to we go back 21 centuries. Well, where do we start counting? We counting. We count from the time of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the hand of God. Isn't it wonderful to know God's in control? Amen. So we open up our Bibles and we go back to that first century, that first generation of Christians as far as Christianity is concerned and Jesus Christ building his church after his death, burial, and resurrection. And so here we are over 2,000 years later in the 21st century. And I think we all would agree that over these 21 centuries in the world we live in today, uh, in some ways is a much better world than it was over 2,000 years ago. And what I mean by that is that directly and indirectly, as generations have come and gone, and as God in His providence has allowed the Bible to be printed, look at all that we have in our world today as far as medicine and as far as hospitals and science and every area you could mention, and much of it has been brought about because of Christianity and, so, and Christian organizations and so forth. And yes, so we could say that over all these, all the way from the book of Acts up to the day, that our world, that, that the truth of the Word of God and Christianity has... Now, a lot of harm's been done down through those 21 centuries in the name of... Not true biblical Christianity, but in, in, under the umbrella of what man calls Christianity, a lot of damage and harm's also been done. But my, a lot of good's been accomplished. And we could say, generally speaking, the world's in a better place today after 21 centuries of Christianity. Are you with me? But I tell you what, we're fooling ourselves if we think this world still loves God and loves Jesus. Amen? Because man is still a depraved sinner. And the heart of sinful man still hates the God of the Bible and still hates the truth of God and still hates the true Jesus Christ of the Bible and still hates godliness and holiness as much as it ever hated it. Amen? Because man is still as much a sinner today as he was 2,100 years ago. Now here in Acts chapter 4, the chapter begins, if you'll glance back at the first couple of verses, <clears throat> Acts chapter 4 verse 1, And as they, that is the apostles and Christians, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple, by the way, these are religious leaders, not political leaders. That even makes it worse. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved about something. What in the world are they so upset about that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead? <laughs> I preached a sermon on that years ago called Believers and Grievers. You, you're either going to believe it or you're going to grieve. Amen. And the world hasn't changed a bit. Believers and Grievers. And so, you know, they, they arrest the apostles, they put them in jail, and, uh, and these early Christians here in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, says, Be it known unto you and all the people of the whole nation, that by the name, the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you all. And how do they respond to that? Well, if you glance over to verse 18 of chapter 4, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what? Sounds like some of that's happening in America, doesn't it? And in other places around the world. So you know what? Even though a lot's changed in over 2,000 years, isn't it something? Some things haven't changed at all. This unsaved world still... Now, they conjure up their own God, their own Bible, their own concept of Jesus, but the truth of God and the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible is still hated by sinful men as much as ever. Amen? So we look back. What did this first generation of Christians do? And what has every faithful generation of God's people done ever since then? Right up till today. Well, two things very quickly they did in Acts chapter 4. They got news from their government and their religious authorities. No more of this Jesus. Now, you can talk about Allah and you can talk about this Mohammed and you can talk about any other religious leader you want to, but we don't even mention the name Jesus around here. We're on government property. Isn't that sad, folks? Isn't that sad? And that's where we are as a nation and so forth. Well, these early Christians faced the same thing. But we're not dealing with anything different, really. So what did they do? Well, look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And first of all, number 1, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to who? God. They lifted up their voices to God. Now this is deep theology. You know what they did? They prayed. They prayed. Now watch what the second thing they did was. And they prayed. And you notice that when you read this, they didn't, and you go back and read that, they didn't pray, God bless Israel, bless America so that our children and our grandchildren can continue to have the American dream and continue to have the freedoms and liberty to cook their hamburgers and bake their apple pies and roast their hot dogs. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But they said, God bless our net. Where they lifted up their voices in prayer. Why? Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak what? Thy word. And at the end of verse 31, they spake the word of God with boldness. And down in verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul writing young Timothy <clears throat> said, Timothy, <clears throat> when you come together as believers, pray for kings, pray for your leaders, pray for your nation. 
Pray that God will continue to give you the freedom and liberty, even under this Roman government, to have freedom and liberty to celebrate 4th of July, let off your fireworks, cook your hot dogs. No, what? Freedom and liberty to live a quiet, godly, holy life and still have freedom to get out the gospel and the truth of God in these times. Now, please don't miss. I'm not. Thank God for these other blessings we have. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what the issues are all about. There's many observations to be made from this scripture, but there's two I just want to emphasize this morning. What what did this first generation of Christians do? Number one, they lifted up their voices to God concerning the needs of man. And then they turned around and they lifted up their voices to the people about the truth of God. And folks, that's still the answer today, amen? Amen. We just need to cry out to God. He's the answer. And we just need to stay faithful, giving the truth of the gospel and the word of God to people. Not just in church on Sunday mornings, but in the marketplaces. And everywhere we go, rubbing shoulders. And you know, that's easy preaching, but it's hard practicing when all of a sudden you see your society turning away from God and and actually just pulling the plugs out and promoting everything that's anti-God and anti-Bible. It's easy to come here today and stand up and speak the truth of God, but when you're out there in the thick of it, it's not quite as easy. We need the grace of God and the power of God's Holy Spirit to passionately and lovingly cry out to God and confront our nation with the truth of God. Speak the truth in love. Amen? Now, I want to give you a little homework assignment. How many of you love homework? All right, I didn't think, didn't see one hand go up. <clears throat> I was reminded this week, <clears throat> first of all, let's talk about lifting up our voices to God in prayer. I was reminded this week of three tremendous chapters in the Old Testament on what I could call national prayers, praying for their nation. And it's easy to remember them. It's all three or chapter nines. Just get the number nine in your mind. And it's Ezra chapter 9, Nehemiah chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 9. Now, Ezra and Nehemiah are right back to back in the Bible. Now, now, you, now, don't read them now. Well, it's the Word of God. If you want to read it, that's better than listening to me anyway. Go, but anyway, Ezra chapter 9, Ezra cries out to God for his nation. Nehemiah chapter 9. You'll find Nehemiah, the people crying out to God for their nation. In Daniel chapter 9, you find Daniel crying. I challenge you this week, and, 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 and I'm not trying to be, while we're enjoying our fireworks and hot dogs and all that, and, and I, you all probably have your Bible reading schedules and your devotions, but if you get a chance, I challenge you. Go back and read those three chapters. And if you've got time, read chapters 8 and 10 in the whole context of it and see the heart of these people crying out to God for their name, lifting up their voice to God. As a matter of fact, would you go back with me to Daniel chapter 9? And we don't have time to look at all of them, but I want you to take a quick glance. We'll just go to Daniel chapter 9 and we see Daniel praying. Daniel lifting up his voice to God. And, and I, I'm just going to share very quickly two or three observations here. What I found out is, as I was reading this national prayer in Ezra chapter 9, and then the national, and I call it this prayer in Nehemiah chapter 9, and then Daniel's in Daniel chapter 9, I found out that basically you find the same things happening, some of the same observations. And, and let me share a couple of them with you. First of all, number one, in Daniel chapter 9, we're going to see that 
that Daniel's prayer was connected with the Word of God. I heard my pastor say years and years ago that prayer and the Word of God go together like a ball and a glove. Amen. You can't have one without the other. You pray scriptural praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. Look what we find in Daniel chapter 9 verse 1. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood something. How did I learn about this? I understood by books or scrolls the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. Here's one prophet naming another prophet. Here's Daniel mentioning Jeremiah that God would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of, it, of Jerusalem. Now, we know it's not our purpose to get into all that, but here's what Daniel said. I learned something by reading the Word of God. I was reminded of something. I was, went back and was reading Jeremiah's writings, the Word of God, and I was reminded of something. And it stirred his heart. And it had to do with, the, with prophecy, and that's not our purpose, but... Daniel chapter 9 is known to have one of, the, one of the greatest prophecies in all the Word of God. And that's at the beginning with verse 23 and going through the end of the chapter. And usually when we mention Daniel chapter 9, we're focused on that 70-week prophecy and that 70 uh, prophecy. But the first part of that chapter has to do with Daniel's prayer. And Daniel was reading the Word of God and it stirred his heart. It motivated him and it motivated him to pray. And in verse 3 it says, Daniel said, Daniel chapter 9 verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I'm going to tell you something. If you're not in the Bible, you're not going to be on your knees praying. Amen? And if you're not praying, you're probably not going to spend much time in your Bible. Unless it's just academic, not, not much spiritually. It's going to, they go hand in hand, as my pastor said, like a ball in a glove. Amen? And I noticed that in all through the Bible. You read Ezra 9, Nehemiah chapter 9. We need to get back to the Word of God and let God speak to us. And we need to fall on our knees and lift up our voices to God. But notice not only, not only the, 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 how that in the Word of God, Daniel was begin to be reminded that God, now watch this, God was accomplishing His purposes. Notice that in verse, uh, in verse 2 again. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that God would accomplish something. Folk, listen, God's on the throne, amen? <laughs> and it's good to be reminded whether we understand, we may think America's going to hell in a handbasket and the foundations are destroyed. What can we do? We can look to God. God's on the throne. God's never woke up one morning and popped himself in the forehead and said, whoop, I wasn't expecting this. Let's get plan B, C, A, all through Z. God's on the throne. Amen. Now, that, that, now there's that mystery of God's sovereignty, the divine and the human uh, together. We have our human responsibility. But Daniel was reminded through the Word of God, hey, God's, God's on the throne. God's going to ultimately accomplish His purposes. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're on the winning side, amen? We're on the winning side. So prayer and the Word of God go hand in hand. The second thing I noticed and I want to share with you quickly is that Dan, Daniel's prayer was earnest. It was real. 
Now, I know, you know, we can say, Lord, I lay me down to sleep and all this kind of, and we can quote the Lord's Prayer and not even be thinking about, and there's nothing wrong with praying, Lord, lay me down to sleep and all this and quote the Lord's Prayer if our heart's really in it. And Daniel, in verse uh, 3, it says, I set my face unto the Lord God. That has to do with devotion and surrender and seeking the face of God. It has to do with fellowship and communion. It's more than just, I've got to get my five minutes of prayer in. It's more than just, man, I've got to have my daily devotions today, you know, and all this. Man, his heart was challenged. His heart was burdened. We were reminded in Sunday school this morning in James that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah. And so, oh my, if there's ever a time we need God. And, and, and these people in Acts chapter 4, that first generation of Christians, Man, they were facing some some very serious times, weren't they? I mean, basically, the the, the Sanhedrin, the, the 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 religious and political government of their day, of their day, was shutting them down. And not only that, they they, they still dealt with the world. Flesh. Did they have any sin back in those days? Oh, I think in Rome and Greece and their culture, they had they had pretty much every sin we got today. And you know what they did? They said, "We better cry out to God." Amen. We've got the answer. A man needs the truth. Let's lift up our voices to God and let's get the truth out to our generation. They were earnest. They were sincere in their praying. You'll find that in Ezra 9, Nehemiah 9. And then notice, notice, and let's read a few of these verses here in Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to know there was humble contrition and humble confession before God. Oh, it's so easy for me to point my finger out and say, you know, if that sorry rascal up there in Washington, if she'd get right, he'd get right, or point my finger down here to the governor. It's so, and, and, and you know, right, <laughs> rightfully so, it, there's nothing wrong with pointing things out. But oh my, the place to start's right here, isn't it, folks? Right here. Look what Daniel said in verse 4. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. And he said, and I'm trying now to just prime your pump this week to go back and read these chapters, all right? Ezra 9, Nehemiah 9, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, Oh, Lord, the great and dreadful God. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and give you my fourth point for lack of time. Not only do we see Daniel making his confession, but also all through this, he's constantly bringing out attributes of God, qualities of God, reminding us who this God is that we're lifting our voices. He keeps seeing his own shortcomings and sin, but magnifying the righteousness and the holiness of God. Watch this, verse 4 again, Daniel 9 verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. That's awesome. (laughs) How many of you believe you have a mighty awesome God today? Amen. Keeping the covenant, that's faithfulness. Amen. How many of you are glad God keeps his word? Amen. And mercy, how many of you are glad God's merciful? Wow, right there in that one verse. My goodness. Some of you gifted men today could, could, could take the next month and teach us about these wonderful qualities of God, these attributes of God right here. His faithfulness, his mercy, his, his awesomeness. And then verse 5, God, we have sinned. Oh, God, not you. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled. 
by departing from your precepts and from your judgment. We've, we've abandoned the word of God. And neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which speak in the name of our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people. Look at verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto you, <laughs> but unto us confusion of faces, as it is this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are afar off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. What he's saying is, Lord, we deserve what we get. Oh, God, we deserve every problem we've got as a nation. Oh, God, we just cry out to you to be merciful to us. Oh, God, don't give us what we deserve. We deserve confusion of faces. Verse 8, O Lord, to us, to us belongeth confusion of face, and to our kings, and to our leaders, and to our forefathers, because we have sinned against thee. To thee, Lord, our God, belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. And neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, because we've not obeyed you, God, your curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses. Now, Daniel, you're talking about prayer and the word of God. Now he's not only quoted Jeremiah, now he's going to quote from Moses in the Pentateuch. He says, God, guess what? Things are happening just like you said. God, you told us if we'd obey you, you'd bless us. And you told us if we disobey you, guess what? You're going to punish us. You're going to chasten us. And God, guess what? You know what, folks? Have we learned this much? It, it's always going to happen just like God said. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Individually, a family, a church, a nation. And Daniel says in verse 12, And he hath confirmed his words. God keeps his word which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole of heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet, yet even after that, made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand our turn back to the truth of God. Wow, what, what in the world does God have to do? To me as an individual sometimes, to get me on my knees and bring me to God. What does God have to do to a nation to humble it and bring it back? Listen, this nation was founded upon the truths of God's Word. And I would like to think it was only a few, but even some of our founding fathers who evidently from their writings, a few of our founding fathers, we might as well be honest, were not born-again Christians. But even that few that were not born-again Christians had enough wisdom to know that our government and our form of democracy could not stand. Even the unsaved founding fathers realized unless it was built upon the Judeo-Christian ethics and principles of the Word of God. And here we now, we've elected officials up in a, who, who are trying to change us to, to, a, to a socialist government. And we're, we're legalizing, promoting everything that God calls an abomination. Our forefathers knew what was going to happen. Even those who weren't born again, as we use biblical terminology. 
But they had, they had been indirectly influenced by the truth of God and they realized it. We've raised generations over the last 243 years or recently that have willfully turned away from God and we're going to reap the same thing that Daniel's talking about. We serve the same God, amen. I think it's time we lift our voices up to God in prayer, amen. Now you can go on and finish reading that. And by the way, you know what? God interrupted Daniel's prayer. You go home and read the rest of it this week. (laughs) You know, how many of you ever got on, you know, hey, you know what? Get on your knees to pray and see how quick the telephone rang. Get on your knees and pray and see how quick. All of a sudden, if if you need to be reminded of something, get on your knees. This is about the only good thing the devil ever does. Get on your knees to pray and the devil will remind you of 16 people you forgot to visit. Amen. He'll, remind, he'll do anything he can to keep you from praying. Isn't that true? But this time, God interrupted Daniel. You, you can read the rest of the chapter. And Daniel was praying. And old Gabriel, God sent Gabriel down there and said, Daniel said, from the time you started praying, God sent me to see you. Well, where in the world have you been, Gabriel? Well, the, 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 the demons and I have been having a little warfare up here. And it took me a little while to get here. Amen. And God interrupted Daniel's prayer. And gave him that wonderful prophecy at the end of the chapter. And so I'm going to tell you something. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I was on our knees and God, and God interrupted us? And the Holy Spirit said, that's enough praying. Now, Frank, get up and take that gospel across the street. Amen. Now, I never did get to my second point, but here it is. Did you know God gave that first generation of Christians a job to do? Now, we today call it the Great Commission. It's found at the end of every gospel. We usually go to Matthew 28. What is it? Take the gospel out to a lost world. Oh, we do that, Pastor. We got all these missionaries listed on the back of the bulletin. Well, that's wonderful. What am I doing individually? Well, you stand up there every Sunday and preach the gospel. What am I doing during the week? When I'm at Walmart and Food Line or the barber shop or, or out in the marketplace. We all have, so they had, God gave them a commission, a job to do. And they lifted up their voices to God and they said, now God, may the Holy Spirit give us a burdened heart and a love for souls and God help us to, pre- and, and, not, and, and the great commission is not just the gospel, that's getting folks saved, that's the beginning, but then this, the bringing them in, discipling them and teaching them to be baptized and, and yoke up with a group of believers and get involved in a local church and keep that cycle going, serving the Lord. And when issues come up in our individual lives, even as Christians and out in society that's contrary to the Word of God, God, give us wisdom, give us answers and help us not to back off and be cowards and timid, but in love, let's speak the truth, amen. Let's confront our nation. Let's confront, let's speak up for the truth of God and let's be practicing and promoting godliness and holiness in our society. That's what been the light of the world and the salt of the earth is all about. You know, really, when you think about it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. What in the world did that first generation of Christians do when they found out they're living in a world that's hostile to the truth of God just like we are? They lifted up their voices to God and under the direction of the Holy Spirit, they lifted up their voices to the people with the truth of God beginning with the gospel. Now, folks, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do in America. We need Sunday school teachers. We need preachers behind pulpits. We need moms and dad in the homes. We need to just get on our knees and cry out to God and make sure our hearts are right. The, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much, the Apostle James said. 
And then we need to say, oh God, as I go out into this world, this 4th of July week, oh God, help me to tell someone about Jesus. Lord, if it's sin, help me. People, if I have an opportunity, God, as hard as it is, help me to be honest with people. Help me to love them and help me. God, the only thing that's going to help them is the truth. Is the truth. Amen. And that's all it's a, that's all it's going to help our nation today. Lifting up our voices to God and crying out to God in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Isn't it wonderful? You know, we open up our Bibles to the book of Acts. We go back to that first generation of Christians. And now here we are 2,000 years later. It's our time in history. And God's saying, hey, let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Let's fall on our knees. Now, we're not going to take time to do it here now like we did in Sunday school, but would you, I challenge you, if you can physically do it, get on your knees sometime and cry out to the Lord for your nation. For the glory of God, that we might continue to have the freedom. You know, it's hard, it's hard for us to imagine right now while we're sitting in this church building, that how many nations in the world right now do not have the freedom and liberty to worship as we are? And yet, and yet souls have been saved and Jesus is building His church in those countries. And, and there are groups of believers meeting together just like we are here today, but they're meeting under the threat that they might be caught, beaten, tortured, put in prison, maybe even killed, martyred for the cause of Christ. Those thoughts never enter our minds, do they? And folk, did you know those freedoms could be taken away from us? Oh, I, let's be honest. There was a time when somebody would say that, we'd kind of snicker inside. It never happened in America. We don't snicker quite as quick now, do we? We see how fast things can happen. My goodness. Let's lift up our voices to God. and Let's... This week, teenagers, men, let's ask God to give us opportunities and, and love and concern and boldness to take advantage of those opportunities to share the gospel and the truth of God with someone out here in our neighborhood in the marketplace this week. Father, speak to our hearts today and challenge us. Lord, you're still on the throne. You're ultimately going to accomplish your purposes. We understand that. But we have our responsibilities to pray, to witness, to be salt and light. And oh God, this week especially, while we're enjoying our families and all the blessings you've given us, God, help us to pray and help us to preach and share the gospel and the truth of God. And you've promised to honor your word. And God, we just pray today all across America that souls will be saved. Christians revived, and God do a work in the hearts of our leaders, we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to play a verse or two. There's nothing any more important going on on this planet right now than a sinner coming to Jesus. If you're here today and you're not saved, Come to Jesus. Come with a repentant heart. We sang earlier in the service, Jesus paid it all. He died on that old rugged cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. Don't let your old pride send you straight to hell. 
Humble your heart. Come to Jesus. Bow at the feet of Jesus. Trust Him as your Savior. May God stir our hearts today and remind us (laughs) we're on the winning side with Jesus. Amen. And I'd like to think God still has great things in store for America, for you, me, Valley Baptist Church. We'll just keep our hearts right with Him and uplift Him, cry out to Him, exalt Him. Just let Jesus be the center of all of it. Tell the world about Him. Just keep telling the world about Jesus. Amen. Living for Him. If we can help you, would you come? Do you need to follow your Lord in baptism? Is there a burden on your heart? Anything at all that we can help you with? Would you come right now? Ask the pianist to just play one more verse and that'll be all. Just lift your voice in worship and cry out to God for your president, your leaders, your nation. Let's ask God to help us to be the salt and the light that our nation desperately needs in these times. the Lord's people said, Amen. Well, if you're great, if you're glad to be saved, say Amen. Amen. And if you're glad to be able to serve the Lord in these times, you know, this is our generation, Amen. This is our century. This is our time in history. And isn't it wonderful privilege, as we sang earlier today, I think in Sunday school, to be channels of blessing for this world in which we live. Good day. God bless you. We'll see you back here at six o'clock tonight.